Good morning, Grace Chapel. We, we are Brooke and Nick Mazur, and we get to bring the scripture reading this morning from the entire chapter of Hebrews 11. So be ready, whole chapter, and the first two verses of Hebrews 12. And it's a joy for us to bring this word this morning because, as some of you may know, this chapter is about faith. And by faith, we moved here to Lincoln five months ago from the state of Kentucky. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, 
when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This This is the word of the Lord. Lord. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Let me pray for us. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, may the the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I want you to reflect upon this statement. Show me what you celebrate, and I'll tell you what you are. Uh, Tomorrow is All Saints Day. You have it marked? I'm kind of a church calendar nerd. Uh, I didn't grow up with the liturgical year, uh, but I've come to love these special dates and times and seasons that help us to reflect on parts of Christ's story and the Christian story. And I know some communities shy away from celebrating anything outside of Easter or Christmas. Uh, But the Protestant church is rediscovering uh, the church calendar as a rich, this rich resource to help aid in our discipleship of Jesus. Uh, 
It makes sense because as human beings, we, we set out days to celebrate things that are meaningful to us, things we want to remember. Uh, it was my 41st birthday on Friday. Yeah. Right on. And uh, they did, there, there was stuff that happened. We lit candles and sang songs. Uh, liturgies of celebration that you would be very familiar with. Um, We are what we celebrate. We are ritualistic people. We have um, beliefs that become patterns, that become habits. Living liturgies formed and shaped by calendars and seasons and days and weeks and schedules The right ones humanize us, the wrong ones dehumanize us, and if that's true, and if we want to be a people who are shaped by Jesus and his spirit and his gospel, it would make sense that we would set apart days that would be special to us, which is why we celebrate here at the church Advent and Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Eastertide and Pentecost. Uh, And tomorrow, I hope that you will celebrate All Saints Day, the day when we remember all the saints. Well, who are all the saints? I'm glad you asked. Uh, For our Catholic brothers and sisters, a saint is a special category of Christian, a subcategory set apart by character, uh, their special love of Christ, the unique impact that that person has had on the world and on the kingdom of God, and especially the church. You might think of someone like Mother Teresa, people who, by definition, are not like us. I think that's what most people think of when they think of a saint. And while I don't have a problem with our Catholic brothers and sisters speaking in that way, I do like how the Protestant Reformation pushed against that idea and tried to reclaim a biblical sense of what a saint is. When you look at the New Testament letters and you see how Paul would use the word saint, he would write to the saints in Corinth or the saints in Ephesus, the saints in Philippi. And he wasn't writing those letters just to the standouts or the spiritual superstars. In fact, to read the letters is to know that he wasn't writing to those people. But he was writing to everybody. Everybody who believes in Jesus. In the Bible, saints are not super holy people. Rather, it's all of us. If you believe in Jesus, you are saints. You, me, all the men, women, and children who believe in Jesus and who who confess things like the Nicene Creed. And so when we're talking about the saints, we're talking about us. But we're not just talking about us and everyone here at the church, but we're talking about all the Christians around the world. There's two billion of us walking around, men and women, 3,000 languages, Uh, God's being worshipped in 3,000 languages right now. And not just every Christian around the world, but all 
also every Christian that's ever died believing this stuff. Who is now with the Lord reigning. That makes up this great cloud of witnesses. Everybody that's gone before us. Who are as the old timers say. They're in glory. They've gone home. The faithful in the Lord who's passed before us. The old timers would actually talk about the church militant. Which is us. The church that's still gathered and believing in Jesus, but still deeply engaged in spiritual battle. But they would also talk about the church triumphant, those whose battle was won and and through death is now reigning with Christ and will one day be raised from the dead. This is what we confess when we confess about the communion of the saints in the Apostles' Creed. That's something we say we believe in, along with the Holy Spirit and God the Father and God the Son, the communion of the saints. But it's even bigger than that. It's not just the Christians who presently believe and all those who were faithful in the past and are in heaven now, but it's all those who will one day believe in the Lord because of our faithful stewarding of the faith. The generation that we will leave behind with a faithful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. People who will consider us to be the faithful saints in their lives. Looking to the past, to those who went before us, especially to those who had an impact on our lives. Considering the future and those whom we might have the opportunity to impact And considering what all of that means for our walk in the present, that's what All Saints Day is about. And that's why Hebrews 11 is a wonderful All Saints Day's Eve text. Because in it, the author of Hebrews is helping a persecuted and struggling group of Christians to remain faithful. He doesn't want them to poop out on their faith. He doesn't want them to give up on their faith. And his strategy in chapter 11 is to point them to faithful examples of those who have gone before. Of those who, by faith, were able to persevere under trial, under suffering, and who left us an example to follow. Examples of fortitude, Patient endurance, prayer. Not many of this list were, they were, not many were martyrs, but they were hopers, prayers, lovers, stayers. They believed even when it was hard and proved by their life that God's love and his promises are so strong that they can bring a person through anything. They can create the kind of person who can endure disappointment and hardship and sadness by faith. In verse 34, the author rehearses all of, or up till verse 34, the author rehearses all of these well-known names from the past, right? Abraham and Sarah and Noah and so on and so on. But in verse 35, he makes this move. 
from the ancient heroes of the past to what would have been for the readers more contemporary examples of faith. Faceless and nameless men who, like the folks he's writing to, were facing persecution, even torture, even death, but who bravely and courageously were able to look into the face of even death itself and stare it down because of what they believed to be true about God, because of what they believed he could do with death. A people with a hope so rich and a God so big that they simply wouldn't back down. They wouldn't buckle under the pressure of suffering and persecution, no matter how severe it was. It says they were looking forward to a better resurrection. Their hope made them strong. They were able to cultivate such a deep and satisfying relationship with God that they rested in him, whether living or dying, whether comfortable or miserable. And their challenge to our lives is that we would cultivate this unshakable confidence that God himself is better than anything life can give us or that death can take away from us. A faith that doesn't require success, that doesn't need success, is the ultimate success. Have you ever met a person like that? A person for whom the world was not worthy. What Hebrews 11 is teaching us is to look at these examples of faith can be helpful These lives of people who ventured everything upon God and found him to be sturdy and worthy. That they can help us have some confidence, he's saying, that what Jesus says is true. These lives of those who have ventured everything upon him. A saint is not a flawless person, not by a stretch. It's simply someone who has trusted Jesus and become a window for others through them to see him. Uh, Christian history is littered with saints. (laughs) They're like uh, Frederick Buechner would say that every once in a while, God drops, when he's flirting with the world, he drops a handkerchief and those handkerchiefs are saints. And uh, there's lots of them in church history. I thought this week about Teresa of Avila, 17th century, a woman who dedicated her entire life of singleness to prayer and poured herself out to teach others. And she wrote some of the most lyrical and beautiful, gorgeous prayer poems in the history of of Christianity. My favorite has this line, whoever has God lacks nothing, only God is enough. You can look to Watchman Nee, who was an evangelist in 1930s China and who rebuked Western missionaries for their collaboration with Anglo-American colonial power. He helped to create authentic indigenous Chinese Christianity. He planted more than 400 churches in his lifetime and spent 20 years imprisoned by the Maoists. He eventually died as a martyr. His His motto was this, I want nothing for myself. 
I want everything for the Lord. But you don't have to search the annals of church history. There's people in your own life, isn't there? People who have showed you the value of Christ. I think about Anne Morris, a saint in my church, an elderly widow who died in 2016. And at the end of her life, I had an amazing opportunity to spark a friendship with her. Uh, This was a woman, and I would visit her in her nursing home and then in hospice. Her health was failing. She'd seen as much success as she was going to have. Her friends and her spouse had passed on. The home that she loved, that she had worked on for so long, was gone. And in a world that says you are what you do, or you are what you have, or you are who you know, or you need this to be happy, or you have to have this to find joy, or you need this to have an impact. Here was a woman who had none of those things, but her heart was so full of joy and love, contentment, satisfaction, settledness of purpose. And it's not just Anne, for time would fail me to tell of Barbara Toma and Jewel Imperial and Amelia Allen and Elizabeth Tungis and Donnie Minig and Dean Ulmer and Ken Schneider and on and on and on. When we remember the dead in Christ, now with the Lord, we receive new strength for the battles we face every day we realize again that we don't exist for this life only. We remind ourselves that the daily grind, our struggles with temptations, man, the tough decisions we have to make, are all a part of this battle in which we will finally triumph. Remembering the dead in Christ, the door of heaven opens, and we hear the song of victory once more. We remember our ultimate destiny in God's kingdom. And the cloud of witnesses stands there and cheers us on. And that's where the author of Hebrews goes, doesn't it? He looks to these past examples of faith and then to these more recent contemporaries. And then in chapter 12, there's this wonderful and beautiful move where he says, in light of their example, run the race. Live a life of faith and beauty and trust in the Lord. And the way he does it is wonderful because he, does ima- he asks us to imagine our lives as a race. And we're running But it's not an individual event. It's a market relay. (laughs) Where the baton of faith has been handed down. From generation to generation. People sustaining our hope. Pointing us to God. Helping us to cultivate beautiful lives. And now the baton is passed to us. And as we run, somehow, the people who handed the baton to us have finished and have come back. 
and are now cheering us on until we reach glory and eternal life, calling us home and ultimately pointing us to Jesus. You see, that's what the life of a saint does. It points to Jesus. It's not the saints that give us strength in the end. It's the one who made them strong. The one whose love and hope gave them hope. Whose companionship was enough for them at times. Whose word was their strength. And who was a light for them when all lights went out. The one who for the joy set before him, which was them and which was you, endured the cross. Jesus was the hope. And we can set our life on this incredible foundation. This is the thing that made the saints strong. And it's ours if we'll take it and keep it and not break it and steward it. The point is that their faith got them through. Their faith in a God who would come through on his promises and who did so fully and perfectly in the person of Jesus. And the point, of course, is that we would follow in the footsteps. That we would run the race and recognize that we are not alone. There is a sense in which my faith is my own. And it must be. But there is also a sense in which your faith is not your own. It belonged to your mom. And to your grandma. And before them, for some of us, for generations of faithful men and women. My mom and I tried to count this week. We don't know when it started. It goes back so long. And even if that's not your family's story, somebody gave you faith. Some saint somewhere told you about Jesus. Who was it? All Saints Day reminds us that we don't receive the gospel magically. Scripture dropped out of the clouds in a lockbox. Instead, we know Jesus by living with and in the church. It's people, it's history, it's story. We have received the good news from Christians before us who received it from Christians before them. Strong and weathered hands handing on what the Bible calls the deposit of faith. Generation after generation, wavering but faithful, struggling yet enduring, sinful and sanctified. And we celebrate the countless saints. And when we do that, we remember the larger, longer story of redemption which we are born into. And our suffering and struggles and life and death is then brought into that big stream of redemption. There's there's bigger things than just this moment. It's a day that reminds us for all the bad press the church gets, and a lot of it is deserved... That bad press does not tell the whole story. For every narcissistic and unfit pastor, there are 800 grandmas out there. Faithful grandmas who I am convinced their prayers keep the world together. 
faithful grandmas that keep you straight, real, on the right path. You know what I mean? And the next generation will need grandmas and grandpas and the folks in the nursing home because you won't always care about what you look like and what you wear. It'll all be taken away from you. And we will need people who realize that amidst all of the suffering and brokenness of this world, there is something that we can stand on that is true and real and good. We don't remember men and women because they were perfect. We remember them because they, like us, were broken, sinful, selfish, and fearful, and yet they believed in Jesus. And God used them to grow us and sustain our faith and to pass down the message of the gospel. God has been faithful to his church. He has sustained it through ordinary mothers and monks, doctors, artists, Farmers, students, rich and poor, young and old, fascinating and boring, likable and difficult. Through the saints, everyone beloved and broken, he continues to be faithful to his church. So in the end, All Saints Day celebrates God, who is faithful from generation to generation. And we have seen his faithfulness, haven't we? Who is the person you would name were we to have a mic up here? You got to say one name. A person who made a deposit in you of faith. A saint. A little handkerchief of the Lord (laughs) dropped in his love, you know, his relationship of love with you. We uh, We have 10 kids some who are getting baptized and some who will take communion for the first time at the second service. We hand the baton on, on All Saints Day. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the author of Hebrews and how he, he talks about this great hall of faith going back to creation itself and how this sustaining faith of the one who made us and created us and who is now redeeming the world, that you have always sought relationship with your people and sustained what you sometimes call a remnant, which is just those people who believe in you who keep up the practices and the devotion and the love of you and who pass it on to another generation. And uh, Lord, I think sometimes we can think of our faith as something we have to wrestle with, like a problem in our life we have to solve. But sometimes it's helpful to think of our faith as something that's been given to us. Something that, something beautiful, something that's sustained beautiful lives for thousands of years and we get to steward that now so thank you for all of the saints who have loved us who have invested in us Uh, I hope that we find ways to honor them tomorrow 
Uh, but we look beyond them to you, to the author and perfecter of our faith, and we give you praise. In Christ's name, amen.